Joshua 4, 1 through 3. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. I want to thank you for joining us on this Memorial Day. It's during this day each year that we remember the fallen soldiers who have given up to their lives to ensure that you and I have freedom. For over 200 years, we have set up monuments like this to remember the extraordinary measures of these extraordinary men. And so that we can know that those examples will stand the test of time we build them out of stones. You saw the Washington Monument, but the Lincoln Memorial, which stands across from it, today we celebrate its 99th anniversary. See, while in training at the U.S. War College, the Army War College, I had an opportunity not to visit these monuments or memorials, but to visit some at Gettysburg. I took a trip with Chaplain Major Boma, Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel El Fideli, and our relig Religious Affairs Specialist, Sergeant Smithers. And I want to tell you, it was an amazing trip because we walked in and out of these tremendous monuments and memorials. And on the screen, you'll see some of the some of these pictures that I would I would show you. I, I, I can't help but still feel a little bit of awe from experiencing these things because small groups would come in and out of these places and we were outside and as we would come in and out I, I, I couldn't help but whisper and no one was shouting, no one was even talking, everybody was so incredibly reverent because of the power that these memorials commanded. Something incredible happened 160 years ago at Gettysburg, and it still commands and demands our respect because we remember. You see, when we create stone monuments, it's for a reason. We don't just stack stones without a purpose. Sometimes we stack stones for shelters or for walls. Sometimes we stack stones for boundaries. But any time that we stack stones, it's for a purpose. But when we're not building houses, when we're not building walls, when we're not building boundaries, we stack stones for remembrance, for remembrance. It's so that we can remember our fallen soldiers and forefathers, but these men were only mere mortals that were only able to give up to their life. 
But today, here at Christ's Legacy, we want to remember the immutable, immortal God and all that he has done for you and I over the course of our lives and through his word. The Israelites had just spent 40 years wandering through the wilderness, following God's presence through a cloud by day and a fire by night. They followed Moses doing incredible signs and wonders. But now Moses' his servant was dead, and Joshua came along behind him. That 59-year-old man relied on Moses to lead them, but now, for the first time, he was having to rely on his own faith and obedience to God to see them through. So it's very little wonder why the first test that Joshua would face was coming to a body of water without anywhere to go but straight through it. Well, most of us in the room know exactly what happens, but some of us may be wondering, well, what did he do? Did he move forward? Did he go around? Did he return back? Well, we can find it in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. We're so thankful that God says, No man shall be able to stand before you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. It's little wonder that Joshua stood at that body of water, knowing that God was going to do the same and more incredible works through Joshua. But that's kind of how life can be sometimes, isn't it? That God would take us to a place in our lives where we can't turn around, where we can't rely on our own strength and our own ability, but instead we're in a place, we're forced to be in a place where we have to choose to rely on God. Anybody ever, be there, ever been there? Just wave your hand at me. Okay. <laughs> you know that you have to rely on God. But if you're a Christian long enough if, and you've never been in that position, don't worry, you'll be there. In a place where you can't rely on your grandparents or your parents, your neighbors, your friends, where you can't rely on your own ability, but you have to trust God to see you through. And, and I can't help but wonder, sometimes we get upset with the enemy of our lives because we're in a, a difficult situation, but just, just imagine just for a moment that that situation isn't because of an enemy, but it's because God has carefully designed and constructed a difficulty in our life so that we get to trust him, so that we get to witness the power of God in our lives. I can't help but feel excited when we face obstacles and issues in our life because it gives us an opportunity to see God's power at work within us. You see, I kind of wonder what some of us have done in our lives when we face these things. We get all the way to the river and we walk up and there's no way through it. There's no way around it. What do we do? I'll tell you what some people have done. They set up camp right here, and they prayed a long time, God, I can't get my feet wet. Don't take me through that thing. Some of us have, have tried to send scouts out. Is there any way that I can get around this thing? There's got to be a bridge somewhere. Some of us have gone back. We said, I'll just go back to that relationship. 
Uh, I'll just go back to that bad job or that, that bad friendship or that, that bad habit that God is leading me away from. I, I, just, I just don't know what to do, and so I, I just am going to return to what I know. But I want you to know that this morning, you and I don't serve a God that would have us camp out. We don't serve a God that has us questioning the direction at which he would lead us. And we certainly don't serve a God that would have us go back the same way we came. Our God has us moving forward. And if we can just trust in him and obey his commands, you and I can move forward confidently knowing that we are going in the right direction. Some of you today know that you need to go through something. I want you to know that we serve a, a companion God that is able to be by our side. As a, as a matter of fact, God was a companion all through the wilderness. He was a companion to Moses. And he said, Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 tells us that he knows what we need even before we ask so it's, it's little wonder that we can trust that God would make a way where there seems to be no way. I think I remember singing a song like that. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. And we serve a God that is able to accompany us, to be our companion walking through making sure that we're taken care of. As a matter of fact, John chapter 14, verse 26 tells us that our companion helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in Jesus' name, will teach us all things and bring to us remembrance all things Jesus has already taught us. How incredible is that? The companion God is still with us today, helping us remember each and everything he's already done. And he's going to accompany us through each and everything that we're ever going to go through. Christ's legacy, I want you to know that we have a companion God that will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? Pastor Brooks, can you stand? You went through basic training. Do you remember what attention looks like? <laughs> can we thank our pastor for serving in the military? I agree with Pastor John. Our companion God is one who has said that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Furthermore, God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These are attributes of our loving God, and we get these attributes from Scripture. In Genesis, we find that God is a God who creates. He is our God creator. Man, just like God, likes to create things. The chair you're sitting in, the building we are sitting in here worshiping our God in was all created by man. Who here knows a bridge named the Hernando de Soto Bridge? Is that familiar to you? Probably not, but I bet you've seen it in the last few weeks. 
You don't know it by its name, but if you get on I-40 and you head east, you go through Arkansas, and then you cross over into Memphis, the Hernando de Soto Bridge. I think we have a picture of that bridge. Recently, you heard in the news about a big crack on this bridge and how things are not going like man had created it to do. The bridge is 48 years old and currently the bridge is being reinforced to withstand a 7.7 magnitude earthquake. It doesn't appear that man can quite get it right at this moment in time, however. This picture is a picture of the crack that you've seen most recently. I found this picture. This is a, a man measuring the crack's width. Last year, they flew a drone by this bridge. They were inspecting the cablings. On these arches, there's large cables that come down to help support the weight of the vehicles going over that. High-definition video is about 60 frames per second, and they found one second of a video that they were looking at the cabling with, and they found that crack one year ago. And I believe we have a picture of that as well. Now again, it was just capturing the cabling. And at that time, the crack, they weren't inspecting the crack at that time, but they did find it in the video that they were inspecting of the cabling. One year ago, this crack was smaller. This bridge length is 3.5 miles long. It's a massive structure. Last week, there were some 700 barges waiting to pass underneath it. They had closed the river down as well. The Department of Transportation reports there are 37,000 vehicles a day go over this bridge. That is a little over 13 million vehicles a year. Now that bridge is closed. This traffic is being rerouted over 70 miles away. There's a 911 call that an inspector had found the crack that you know about most recently. In this 911 call, he tells the operator, we've got to shut I-40 down. We've got to stop 37,000 vehicles from transporting across from Arkansas into Memphis. There's a word, I believe, that kind of describes this. It's called impasse. It's a situation in which no progress is possible, especially because of a disagreement, a deadlock. I believe the bridge is communicating to us, I can't handle the weight any longer. I've stopped. I can't handle what man has created. In Joshua 3, 5, Joshua is preparing the people for what is about to happen. He tells them to sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I believe the Lord can do wonders among us. In scripture, it tells us when the priests took this ark and they dipped their toes into the river Jordan, it began to heap up. It stopped. This is right in the middle of flood season. This is the time when the water becomes as high as it ever becomes. You've seen a river flood. There's green grass usually coming up through the waters because it's not used to having water cover it. Church, your creative God knows exactly where you are, just like he knew where these children were that day. For this to become a miracle, it must be miraculous. 
God does miraculous works in each and every one of our lives. It has been common in history for the River Jordan to stop flowing during the flood season. Water is flowing from everywhere over dry land where normal water doesn't flow. It's normal for landslides to happen and to stop the River Jordan from even flowing. It's recorded in history time and time again for this to happen. But God, but our miraculous God decides he's going to do it a different way. He's going to heap up the water miles away from where they were to cross. Your creative God heaped up the water miles away, just like Moses had experienced in the generation previously at the crossing of the Red Sea. This same God, this immutable God, again is making provision for these children to overcome an impasse. What does that tell me? What is that speaking to you right now? I'm a child of God. I know who God is. He is my Yeshua. He is my salvation, not just for Moses' generation, not just for Joshua's generation, but turn to your neighbor and say, but for your generation. He is miraculous. He is the God of our creator. He creates a way when there is no way. In your impasse, in your situation where you know that God is telling you which way to go, but you just can't see how to get there. You can't see how to cross over. Our companion God there in the midst of our situation is our creative God. He creates a way through our impasse. He is the Lord Almighty. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Yahweh. He is God, the creator of all things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Give him praise, church. He's worthy this morning. He is also our advocate in our time of need. Pastor Martin, share with us. What a privilege this morning to uh, work with these two fine young men and to uh, come together with them and so share some thoughts that are really important to all of us. John's talked to us about, <clears throat> about our companion God who is always there, always attendant, and always attentive to the needs that we have. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> it's that time of year. But God's always there. He's always aware. You're never out of God's thoughts. You're never out of God's thoughts. God, he's, he's our companion. And then Dave spoke about our creator, God, who is the almighty. The one who would, did, and does currently meet the needs of all of his people. I don't care where you're at today, the Lord is able to come into that situation and to meet every need that you have. But let's look right now at our champion God, who is our advocate and who leads us from victory to victory. So let's take just a little bit of time here and review the process that these vagabond Jews went through to get to the place to where they are in the text that we have read to you today. First of all, Israel had journeyed through the wilderness 
for now 40 years. Now they didn't have to be there for 40 years. We don't have to be in a wilderness for 40 years. <clears throat> they were there because of unbelief, because of lack of obedience, and they had been there long enough that the old generation had died off and the new generation had risen up and sometimes I think that's where I am today. <laughs> In that point where if the Lord doesn't come quick, I may die, die off so these young men can come up. But that's what had happened. The old generation was gone and the new generation had arisen. Now they have crossed the Jordan River by the hand of God, the miraculous hand of God. And in the process, they chose 12 men, one from each tribe, to go back into the river, back into the, the river bed where the priests stood and where their feet were planted and to take a stone from, from, the, from the middle of the river and with it build a monument, <clears throat> build a memorial so they could remember, so that every generation to come, <coughs> pardon me, every generation to come could, could stand and look at that monument and remember. The Lord told them when, when the children come and say, what do these stones mean? You can say, this is the place. This is the place. And I thought it was interesting as I was reading the scripture that not only did they build a monument on the side of Jordan where they had lodged, <coughs> but they built a monument out toward the place where the, where the people were, where the priests were standing. Thank you, Dave. They built a monument where the priests were standing. And I can imagine that when the flood waters receded, they could look over and see the monument of the stones where they had come from. And then they could look and see the monuments of stone where they had arrived. And they could say, that's where the trial started. And this is where the victory took place. And so the children of Israel had arrived at this place where the victory took place. After they got there, they renewed their covenant with the Lord. And then they celebrated the first Passover in that land that the Lord had given them. And now the conquest of Canaan lies before them and the skyline of, of Jericho looms ahead of them. So I want us to talk for just a minute about ancient Jericho. We need to remember Historians tell us that Jericho is one of the longest continuously inhabited settlements on the face of the earth. It was established many thousands of years ago. Records vary, scholars disagree, and you would expect in ruins that are as ancient as these are, but most of, us t most of them tell us that around 3,000 years ago, the inhabitants of Jericho built two walls to defend their city. It was high tech at that time. It's hard for us to imagine that that's what it was then, but when in, in a day of smart bombs and guided missiles and things like that, the highest tech that they had was walls. 
but they built a wall on the inside that was about 12 feet thick, and they built a wall on the outside that was about 13 th feet thick, or about six feet thick, and it, the, these were 13 feet tall, and they were guarded by a watchtower that was 28 feet tall. And, and, and it was done to keep the people and their water supply safe on, on the inside of the city. These walls were built of sun-dried reddish mud bricks, and I've already given you the dimensions of it, but I want you to imagine with me that the sun begins to climb up over the horizon and Joshua is out early in the morning walking around the side of the edge of the camp of Israel and maybe he's like pastor, maybe he's got a cup of coffee in his hand. Can't you just imagine that? And, and when, when he gets there, he, he, I want you to listen to this account from the message that I have written down. And then this, while Joshua was there near Jericho, he looked up and saw right in front of him a man standing holding his drawn sword. Joshua stepped up to him and said, whose side are you on, ours or our enemies? He said, neither. I'm commander of God's army and I've just arrived. Joshua fell, on his fell to his face on the ground and worshiped. He asked, what orders does my master have for his servant? And God's army commander ordered, take your sandals off your feet. The place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did it. Joshua obeyed. You see here, the commander in chief of Israel forces must have been startled to see this man standing in front of him in battle array. He had an unsheathed sword and it symbolized his readiness for a military engagement. And the first thing Joshua has to determine is, are you on our side or are you on our enemy's side? And the commander of the Lord's army says, no, but I am the leader of all of the forces of heaven. If you will, he is the pre-incarnate Christ, a theophany. Webster's online dictionary says that a theophany is a visible manifestation of a deity. So the second person of the Godhead has come from the portals of heaven, revealing himself to Joshua and assuring him of God's presence going before them into battle. You see, though Joshua only saw the commander, I visualize what Joshua could not see, that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around, just like Elisha saw at Dothan as recorded in 2 Kings chapter six. Heaven's commander and the armies of heaven were, were there to enable Joshua and Israel not only to conquer Jericho, but to assist them in conquering all of the land that God had promised them. Can I tell you today that our companion God who has been with us through all of our past struggles and our creator God who is with us to provide whatever we need that it takes to get us through the struggles and the problems and the difficulties that we are going through is our champion God. He is the commander of the Lord's army. 
He surrounds us with the forces of heaven and leads us through all of the difficulties from now on until we stand with him in the land that he has promised to us. Amen. So let me share with you some takeaways at the end of this message this morning. First of all, I want you to realize that God is always with us. And it's not, it's not always in us. God is always with you. God is always with you. Even when you may not be aware of him, he is there. God is always with you. Secondly, God will do whatever is necessary to provide a way through to those who trust him. Some of you may be facing things today that you, you say, I don't know how I'm going to make it. But let me tell you, say, God has a way to get you through whatever you are struggling with today. God has a way. And the third thing is, God will not only stand with us, but he will go before us into every battle. And when we trust him, he will give us the victory. He will give us the victory.